if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> Okay, guys, welcome back to the Dry America Show. Coming at you, we're still, you know, this is at the tail end of our vacation-ish, if you want to call it that. Uh, I should be coming back from my road trip today or tomorrow. Graham should be done his prairie exploring for a little while, and we should be coming back at you with some fresh new stuff next week. Of course, you guys probably didn't even notice that we were gone because the content can't come in. This intro will be a little bit shorter because we're just out of stuff uh, to talk about. But when we come back next week, We'll have a bunch of stuff. We'll be talking about Graham's travels, my travels, a few border crossings. And I'm going to see some Americans. So a little update on that. But, I mean, we got a couple hours of Alan Green coming at you this week. So you guys probably oh, don't yeah. shit. Anyway, Alan Green is back to blowing minds with some new stuff. If I'm not mistaken, we get into some stuff here that he had not mentioned before. Yeah, he hasn't. More breaking stuff in America. Alan Green, of course, an all-time favorite around here. Episode 209, Grammarica Talks Shakespearean Mathematical Codes and the Monkeys with Alan Green is one of our all-time most downloaded episodes, and uh, people love that shit. I mean, we had people in the UK offering to go into this place and break into the fireplace just to find out, swarm the place. It's not a fireplace. It's, a, it's an altar, it's an altar For 10 years, five years, I've been confusing it with a fireplace. For some reason, when he says altar stone, I picture a mantle. <laughs> Anyway, uh, running joke. And of course, episode 352, we had him back to talk about some more stuff, the codes on the covers of the sonnets. We've done all that stuff with him. And he continues to blow our mind here tonight, no exception. And we were we were recording uh, with that last episode with his way back when. That was when we were in Colorado with Randall Carlson on one of our first big Randall Carlson tours, right? We were yeah, in house. I remember on, where we were. Uh, Get this. Oh, no. So we're a month. So it came out June 6th. Oh, oh, so okay. June 4th, June 4th, 2019. But yeah, we did record it when we were down there in uh, Pagosa Springs, which was a great trip. Of course, my marriage fell apart on the way home. But, you know, this was the start of Darren's new life. I have a wonderful new fiance. Yeah, uh, it's all worth it. Uh, so support the show. America.ca slash support, guys. Um, you know, we keep coming at you. We work even during our vacation. You guys didn't even know we're on vacation. That's how hard we work. America.ca slash support. If you're getting some value from our work, maybe you can send us a couple bucks, a one-time donation, or sign up for a monthly. Check out Grand America Outlaw, our other podcast. Get on a trip at contactatthecabin.com or buy a bunch of our books at outbrain.ca. And of course, you can get all my books for free at a canadianshame.ca. Um, but yeah, you know, support us. If you like us, if you've been listening this long, uh, we keep doing it because people choose to support us here and there. Uh, so get in the here, be part of the there. America.ca slash support. You got a quote for us? 
Yeah, and I also want to mention before I do the quote, um, check out season one, Shakespeare Decoded on Gaia. I mean, this is one of the main reasons we had him on too is to talk about that show. And I mean, it is amazing. It's slick. It's like, it's like all the stuff we talked about in our last two episodes before put into like a slick presentation. I mean, he's got it all decoded and you can get a seven day free trial trial there at Gaia as well. And I mean, long enough to get in and watch them all. Yeah, exactly. It'd be nice to, uh, to get, to get enough popularity for this season one to get season two, two to come out, which I think he's going to get into John D a little bit more. If you do want to pay for guy, how much is it? Oh, I don't know. It's not much. Is it like a Netflix or something like it's that? It's like I, a I Netflix type mean, thing, yeah. Yeah. You mean an yeah, account on Netflix? Yeah. I watched Waterworld last night, though. Classic. Oh, nice. Classic. How classic. was it? Was it good? It holds it, up. You know, I mean, up, yeah. it's always been terrible. So <laughs> yeah. people hated it when it came out. I think it was like for when I oh, we were looking at the star rating. So I was going to watch Atlas Shrugged, but I guess. I can't. The good books, I just can't watch. I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones, right? I paid fucking 30 bucks for season one or something. I watched one episode and I was like, can't do it. Can't do it. Really? Because what? The other characters are shit. They're skipping past stuff. Not on Game of Thrones, though. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. The books are so much better. Mm. It's too much. So I thought my understanding was that the season one was going to be 24 episodes. So 24 hours. So you've taken a 33 hour book and made it 24 hours long. I can live with that. You're taking a 33 hour book and chopping it down to fucking 10 hours. And you got none of the inner dialogue. I mean, the best part of the book is the inner dialogue. That's how I can relate to a character. I know. I know. And they can't find a way to, they they can't find a way to do that properly. They should be able to. Ah, It's tough. I think, I don't know. So I was like, you know what? I can't keep going on Game of Thrones. And then as soon as I seen who was playing Hank Reardon and Atlas Shrugged, I was just like, no, can't do it. Waterworld was good, though. It's the, but the acting is awful. In Waterworld? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's hard to believe that we were captivated by that. In the do 90s. you remember? So was that like, let me guess, like 96, 97 kind of thing? Yeah. I, I want to say probably 93. But that's definitely the wow, not old, eh? Waterworld sure? release date. You're checking your my assistant. assistant douchebag. July twenty eighth, nineteen ninety five. Wow, pretty good, pretty close. Yeah, thirty years yeah. only. Eh? I mean, you yeah. watch all of them; they just come in so like cheesy and <laughs> yeah, and they're like all the bad guys are like. You know, it's like how they even get this far because they can't, they're just bumping into each other and yeah. smoking cigarette after cigarette and partying all the time. There's like no chicks. Um, so I got a quote. You got a quote? Okay. Yeah. Guess, guess who said this? Are you going to play a jingle? Or? I'm going to play a jingle. It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human right. So it's been a while since I got one. This 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 segment came from the profound UFO quote, which is kind of you know it's kind of relevant to our chat here, even though you wouldn't think so with Shakespeare and stuff. But disclosure is happening. I mean, another two weeks. 
after we recorded this intro, this will be coming out and uh, UFO disclosures going nuts. Lots of whistleblowers, lots of controversy. This is fantastic times. And the timing is fantastic at the same time as all these whistleblowers are coming out and saying the Biden Bidens are a bunch of criminals. <laughs> yeah. So here's the quote. A marvelous neutrality have these things mathematical and also a strange participation between things supernatural, immortal, intellectual, simple and indivisible and things natural, mortal, sensible, compounded and divisible. Shakespeare. John D. Ah, fuck. I knew it was like, (laughs) I should have got that one. I would have said bacon though. If I didn't say Shakespeare, I would have said bacon. So that's a little too sort of esoteric for bacon, I think. Maybe. So, but then, I mean, get that season two out. We'll get more into bacon and John D and Devere and all that. I'm sure. Links. The Rosicrucians. Links in the show notes. Of course. I mean, Alan Green, this guy does not disappoint. Time comes out. Bam, bam, bam. His third appearance in Grimerica. No exception. Enjoy the chat. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I got a quick bio here. He's just, he's a British born, classically trained pianist, composer, author, educator, and Shakespeare authorship scholar. He was musical director for Davy Jones in the 60s pop group, The Monkees, for 12 years, and co author with Jones of two best selling, award winning books, They Made a Monkey Out of Me and Mutant Monkeys. In 2004, he was introduced to the Shakespeare authorship mystery and has created a variety of original works on the subject. Bard, a musical under a Shakespeare moon and the Holy Trinity solution, a book series, which includes decoding Shakespeare published in 2016, Bard code and the Shakespeare equation. And he's got that website to be or not to be.org. And that's where if you, if you go in there and you can find the link, um, the link to the, to the, uh, Gaia. The guy, the Gaia series, and he's put this together. The uh, Shakespeare decoded on Gaia, which is fantastic. So I'll put uh, multiple links there in the show notes for you to choose which one to use. And it's uh, and he's got a lot of information on the website, and he created this whole thing with the mystery of the altar stone, and they found out how to like how to like scan it to see if there was an empty there thing there because you know the all his decoding led him to this cavity in the altar stone where they keep, he thinks where all the original Shakespeare stuff is. So there you have it guys. Do you ever hear the one about the 12 inch penis? What about it? I don't know the rest of the joke. Just the punchline. I think that's something to do with male genitalia. Okay. Support the show guys. America.ca slash support. Um, we'll be back at you next week with some fresh stuff. Enjoy the chat. With fabulous. Alan Green.
We are live, Alan Green. Welcome back to Grow America. It's been like four years, I think, already. But I mean, it is an amazing time because we've got to talk to you twice. And I wasn't really into Shakespeare at all, but this is your work is so much more than Shakespeare. And now we get to talk about the culmination of 19 years of your work in a video series on on Gaia. That is yeah. incredible. So congratulations. Thanks, the first buddy. time was six years ago. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was 2017. Yeah, the first time we had you on, we didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, we had no idea who you were or what we were getting into. We went for like two and a half hours. (laughs) And by the end, we had like a half a dozen people from our UK posse that were ready to go bust open the fireplace. If If I recall correctly, I mean, it was just like a great spy novel. The whole show was fantastic. Yeah, well, that's that's good. It's a long story. That's the the hardest thing to get across. Is that is that plus I would say the most difficult to at first get across to people is oh, it's Shakespeare, and I think it's it's you know it's not an exaggeration to say that even though everybody knows who he is, etc., blah blah blah, or think they know who he is, it, you know, it, there's a certain amount of resistance to that name. It's like oh, Shakespeare, that's going to be dull, you know. I'm not, you know, I don't think so. Tweed jacket and the but smoking a pipe or something it's not that at all as you well know now and it's an it's it's a wild ride but that's the first hurdle to get over is that's why i start the gaia series by saying i literally come out and i say to be or not to be that is what you're expecting right well we'll have none of that here and i throw the mask aside and say there's no be think of no men in tights. This is about the real guy who was who's going to blow your socks off because it's like that moment in Wizard of Oz when it turns from black and white to technical. Uh, it really is because the guy is nothing like what we're expecting. It's a it's a massive massive uh, fraud that was per- purposely perpetrated on the world, and now we're going to get to see the proof of it if we really was and why he did it. So do you want to talk about a little bit more of the series then? Like if that's how you start off the series, because it does a really good job at encapsulating your, your many, many years of research. Sure. Yeah. Although it it has, as you said, it's been 19 years, which is hard to, hard to believe when you try and wrap your head around it. Think I got introduced to it 19 years ago. And at that time I had no interest in Shakespeare at all. I was like the majority of the of the of the public. Like, yeah, oh yeah, Shakespeare. That's probably boring. I'm not interested. But a friend invited me to his one man show. I show up as you would just to support a friend. You know, I go, yeah, I'll come along with. Really, uh, and he started talking about not the codes. He didn't know any of the codes uh, side of it or anything yet. I mean, nobody really did. But he was just telling you the basics, which are. Um, the elevator pitch, which is just simply, did you know that the man had the the greatest 25-year run as the, the most popular playwright and, and presumably actor as well in London for 25 years? No one ever saw him. No one. No one ever talked about, oh, I saw Bill the other night in the Mermaid Tavern. He was writing a draft of Macbeth, you know, he's having a pint. No, no one saw him. There, second thing, there are no manuscripts. There's not a manuscript, a play, a poem, a page, a line in his own hand. It's all disappeared. Nothing in his own hand. 
the greatest writer of all time, never wrote a letter to anyone. And it's been investigated more thoroughly than than anyone in history, trying to find stuff, attics and basements everywhere and all the museums and all. No, no, nothing, nothing. So there was obviously an enormous cover-up. So the question then becomes why? So I was hooked immediately within five minutes of that going, wow, what? Why weren't we, why weren't we not told that? in school, you know, oh, don't worry about that. It doesn't matter. We've got the works. We don't know much about him. Yeah, that's the official story. Well, the works are important. But the way I think of it now is, you know, if you were given the option, say we had a prize we could give on this show, like, hey, you know, so-and-so from Idaho, call in and you win a prize. And the prize is one of two things. You either get to see the latest Tom Cruise movie or you get to see Tom Cruise himself. Which would you, which would you choose? Tom Cruise or, himself. You know, you get to have dinner and, and pick his brain. In other words, we are interested in the person far more than we are in the works. The works are great. It's fabulous. We love it. But what? I got a chance to meet uh, Kate Blanchett or Tom Hanks, or whoever it is, whoever, pick your favorite star, you know, obviously you'd choose, what? Yeah, yeah, so sign me up. I'm I'm from America. America. I want, <laughs> 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 yeah, Graham. What, I get to meet Graham? The actual Gray America? Is that where the name came from, by the way? No, but, but that was our back. That was my backup, Graham. Graham. <laughs> you, you've right. already seen. I mean, you've already figured out that <laughs> cipher too. So anyway, um, no, I mean that's the point. We are interested in the person if we only knew there was a person. But since there is nothing, they just breeze past that in ten minutes and say, "Oh well, we don't have anything on him at all." Uh, you know, half of his plays were written. Uh, in Italy, and he knows it like the back of his hand, but he never traveled anywhere. How did he get that information? Oh, he got it from the, the, the sailors at the pub talking about it. Sure, yeah. Sailors in a pub who have been to Italy are not going to be telling him the information about the various churches and uh, and and everything that they, well, everything they saw in Italy was the whorehouses, obviously. They, they tell him about that. <laughs> sailors, sailors in a pub anywhere are going to be sailors in a pub. They'll say, yeah, yeah, we were... You know, but they're not, <laughs> it's it's just such a joke that there's just this absolute omission there. And just don't pay no attention to the guy behind the, the uh, curtain. Let's just deal with what we know about the works. So that's a false, a false idea that there's nothing interesting going on there because the actual truth is he was playing a game with us, uh, giving us a puzzle to figure out. And he was hiding deliberately behind the mask of someone that was going to get pinned onto who was born Shaxpurr in Stratford-on-Avon. His name was spelt, you know, Shaq rather than Shake. But it's all a joke. It's like, oh, find, find Waldo. <laughs> Where is he? He's hiding behind this mask. But was uh, it a serious puzzle? I mean, it went, after watching, you know, a couple of those episodes... It made me think of, uh, of, of, of almost hiding information due to cataclysms and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, why are they, why are they putting all this important information in these, in these, uh, writings? And, and 
So does it seem to be like a game, like a fun game, like look at what we can do? Or was it like we really need to hide information, important mathematical information in these yeah. writings? Yeah. Uh, my uh, After having now been in it 19 years and obviously uh, I need a day off, but I, I don't want, really want one. It's <laughs> It just goes on and on and on and on all the time and you find more and more and more. It's obviously a deliberate puzzle and a game but i would say there's another level to it behind that which is it is essentially a scripture of a different kind he's telling us universal truth behind the drama and the poetry and then behind what else does he know he knows mathematics that that people should not have known back then you know he knows the speed of light and 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 codes it into the sonnets numbers i mean it's it's mind-boggling so so that your question is very pertinent so why you know why give us all of that and, and why hide it and, well you'd hide it because of course the the catholic church w- w- would consider anything at all even about just plain mathematics as being a, du- a black art wow you know? and you don't talk about math you know bruno was burned at the stake for advanced mathematics and anything that touches on talking to higher beings, right? That's involved as well. John D who helped. All right. I'll just go straight to the, to the punchline is I believe Edward de Vere is the main writer of Shakespeare, Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. Lots of people disagree with me on that, but we can degree, we can, we can agree on one thing. And that is that yes, Francis Bacon was certainly involved as well. And, I've I've seen hints of the, definitely that Marlow was involved as well, and that he did not die. That it was a, all of that was a faked uh, death for him, so that he could get to safety. So they're all involved. I just happen to believe strongly because of the code say it that Edward de Vere was, let's say, the main guy, and the others had all kinds of uh, strong abilities as well. But the the main the, the the guy behind the scene who's doing all the encoding of it that's Doctor John Dee. And Bacon was good at that too. So Bacon continued encrypting after John D died in 1609. But John D is the main sort of wizard guy, the 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 Queen's astronomer, astrologer, spy in Europe. Code number what? 007. 007, the original. Yeah. And so he he's he's a fascinating character, and he's embedding all of this mathematics into it. So I don't necessarily want to go into things that I've I've shown on on the previous occasions I've been on your show, but you know about the, the cover of the sonnets. You just connect all the punctuation, the dots, and you get six perfect right angle triangles with with a circle going through all of them, and every single one of them, the ratios of their size, give you. 12 mathematical constants, five of which were not known back then. Plus episode 209 and 352. If people want to backtrack and check out the last couple of times we had you on, I think we did YouTube videos for both of them too. So you should be able to track those down. Yeah. Fairly sure you did. Yeah. And, and on, and and on those, I show that, well, what, you know, it's, it's utterly mind boggling because it's accurate to three decimal places. It's, it's, it's extraordinary that they, they know the things like pi and the golden ratio, which they knew back then. They're also telling you the, the, the other things that were not known back then, Euler's number and E minus one and the Euler-Mascheroni constant and Tribonacci. I mean, things that they had no business knowing. And they also knew the meter. 
right? And but beyond that, they give you the geographic coordinates of the Great Pyramid of Giza, <laughs> embedded in in the sonnet's cover. And so that's you're going okay. Let me wrap my head around this. What are all these math concepts doing on the book of on a book of love poems, the sonnets, right? Why? Why? Because he's showing us that he knows intrinsically he's 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 imparting ancient wisdom to us because they are advanced beings. I call them avatar beings, or you know, just let's just say enlightened. People can understand that, you know, or just super smart. But it's way beyond super smart because they're in touch with they're in touch with extra dimensional beings. And and John Dee is chatting with angels for ten years, you know, uh, through seances and things, and getting codes downloaded to him to help him embed this entire great mystery. So the mystery. So they are. At the same time, they have the smarts and the sense of humor to turn it into a game, a puzzle, where everything is backwards. Every clue that you see, you can run it backwards, and it gives you uh, two different solutions of the whole thing that point to the same place. For instance, in Hamlet, Hamlet, when he's talking about considering the big, you know, to be or not to be speech, he says uh, that the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. He's talking about dying, you know, death. It puzzles the will. Like, I, I, I'm scared to kill myself with this knife because who knows what dreams may come, right? And he says, puzzles the will. But what, when you understand every, every code is to be turned backwards, it's really saying will's the puzzle. Will, William Shakespeare, is the puzzle. And you're to try to figure it out and find out who it really was. Because it's me hiding behind this mask. What's his name? His name is Edward de Vere. Vere is Latin for truth. Hiding behind a mask. The, the full name, de Vere, is the Hebrew word for the Holy of Holies. And it comes from the root word devarim for word. So it's really meaning what? It's meaning the original sacred word, which is what? Om. The, the the first thing that happens when we have a creation, you go to go from unity. Right, we're all sitting around going, "Oh, it's great to be God. It's great to be God. I love being God. This is fabulous bliss. I'm in eternal bliss." Hey, let's have a drama. <laughs> you got duality, right? And the moment you got duality, all hell and heaven breaks loose. It's it's just wow. I think I'm different from you, right? We're all different, but no, no, we're all the same thing. We're all fractals of this one divine unity consciousness. And he's telling us that. So he's saying, I am the devere and the truth hiding behind this mask. What is that like? That's like every scripture has ever told has always ever told us. The kingdom of God is within you. And I'm hiding inside you. And you're looking outwardly for it everywhere in power and money and sex and fame and everything you want to change, chase after. And all along, it's right here, everything. So he's saying, you are, you're right here. And the, and the game he's playing is saying, find out who's behind the mask. So he put a mask on it and made it this man from from Stratford. His name was Shakespeare. Must have been a pretty good gig, really, to have. You know, imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, you know, do you want to be really famous? You don't really have to do anything. 
and we'll give you this huge house in in Stratford. Just keep stum, you know. Don't don't say anything. We're just going to we'll, change your last name a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful uh, symbiotic relationship between the two of them, and then ultimately between the others and and John D encoding the whole thing. So it's it's a real roller coaster of a ride, and a, and it's a thrill to be able to finally. Uh, have it uh, reaching a, a much wider audience because I did this um, without ever really thinking. Of, well, you know that it's it's got to it's got to happen during my lifetime. I just knew it would just go on and on and on, and I kept on finding more and more and more and more. And once you're in it, once you're down in the mine, chipping away, and every little nugget that falls from the wall is gold. You don't really care. It's like I, I was thinking, well, it'll come out in my lifetime, or it doesn't come out in my lifetime. Uh, eventually, I didn't really care, and finally, all the all the little uh, the, the tiles in this game are sort of falling into place like a Sudoku thing, and it goes. Brrr. And so uh, it's really cool. I got this the Gaia series, which is so much fun. They did such a great job on it. Oh, they really did. You did a great job hosting it too and writing it. And I mean, the graphics were fantastic. I mean, it really put it all together. So is that going to cause a bit of a commotion for that church in Stratford? I mean, the, the, with the altar stone, like is, is, would this maybe, you know, give them enough attention to actually go in there and finally. Yeah. Good question, Graham. Well, uh, you know, from uh, previous ones, but I'll, I'll say this again for anybody that doesn't know it. Uh you're talking about the altar stone. The altar stone. What's that? It's the it's the altar, the holy of holies altar stone. In other words, with the Hebrew name the Devere. It's the holy of holies. There's the holiest place in the church, um, right behind. There's a picture of me that I could pull up, but let me show it later. Of me playing the piano. I arranged to do after after ingratiating myself with the church for many uh many years about six visits in four years so that i became their their friend and they knew me and i was helping them raise money for various things and but I, all along i knew my goal was i've got to get into that altar stone because the codes say that the real guy who he really was has hidden something inside this holy of holies relic because it's called the devere the hebrew name of it and and it's to tell you the truth of who he is and why there was a cover-up in the entire story and what it's all about, uh, which is a big, big, big story because it involves the queen. He was the queen's lover, the virgin queen. There's all that. They had a child who should have been the next king but was not because he was railroaded off to the side so they could put this Scots bastard on the throne, James. Um, got nothing against Scottish people. I think they're lovely, but Haggis is... Bloody awful. I mean, have you ever had it? I had it in grade oh. five. <laughs> we had the best, my best teacher ever was a Scottish teacher named Mr. McLeod, of course. McLeod. And I'll never forget him. And he, he gave us all haggis once. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. One of those, well, you know, teachers you'll always remember, you know? Oh, yeah. No, you know, I joke, obviously. I, 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 I it's, it's just, it's the whole thing is a joke. Right, the whole thing is a joke. It's it's well, the you know, the the com Dante's Inferno and Dante's comedy. Is it Dante's comedy? Was it no? Yeah, the comedy. It's a joke. The whole thing is a joke because we really are the divine, and we're stuck inside this body. So we are all this. We are ultimately. He's saying we're all Shakespeare. 
we're all wearing this mask. We don't know who we are. We're wandering around in delusion. We are bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream, the bumbling fool who stumbles around in the forest and gets a spell put on him by Puck, and he ends up being seduced by the queen of the fairies, Titania, and he thinks he's in, wow, what, what just happened here? I'm a prince, I'm, you know, but he's got an ass's head on, but he doesn't know. You know, part of the very, very interesting thing about that is that it all is revolving back to the, the, the Horus myth. Horus, son of Isis and Osiris, the, the, the eye of Horus, the central myth of Egyptology. And he's keeping on, he keeps on harping about this, about the Great Pyramid. You must look at that. You must look at Egypt. You must look at the mathematics in the pyramid. You must look at why it was built. You must look at why the Freemasons are solidly interested in it, because he himself was, back then, the forerunners of the Freemasons were the, the Rosicrucians, the Rose Cross Society, of which John Dee was the Grand Master, and then Bacon was after John D. passed. And they're all fascinated by this. Why? Because it holds the secret of the truth of what we're trying to find out about our own life and about life on Earth. As you know, I'm sure from tons and tons of other shows that you do, right? This ancient wisdom about extraterrestrial beings. Did they come and help us build these pyramids? Somebody did. <laughs> or it was us in a very, very, very high age when we knew what the hell we were doing. Because we can't do it now. Well, now I, yeah, now I kind of understand why they hid, hid all this stuff so cleverly because, yeah, the Catholic Church wouldn't have liked all that reference to the, all the, you know, the Egyptians and Horus and, you know. You get burned at the stake. Yeah. No, no question, right? Yeah. So, so but, but since that holds the key to uh, mathematics, uh, Pythagoras knew that. That's why he went and studied in Egypt, of course. Thales sent him there. Thales, the guy who was the first person to measure the height of the Great Pyramid using, you know, trigonometry, basically, yeah. in his agency. Yeah. It, it, so they're, they're saying, look at this, because it's not just about the buildings of, of, of the pyramids, which is fascinating in itself, you know, the, the math, mathematics that's hidden inside that. But it's about the the central story that is being told there. Uh, in a nutshell, the Horus Eye story is this. You've got Isis, virgin goddess, queen of the universe. Osiris, the king of the universe. They are both husband and wife and brother and sister. And then he's got a usurping brother named Set, who cuts Osiris into 14 pieces in order to usurp the throne. He wants to be the king. I, Isis reconstitutes her husband's body, puts him back together except for the phallus, which she can't find, which is supposedly in the Nile, and they copulate post-death and give birth to Horus. And Horus grows up and has to do battle with Set to avenge his father's death. It's... It's Hamlet. <laughs> That's the story of Hamlet, and the line. Does, does that relate to the moon cycle, like the fourteen days of the moon coming and fourteen days of the moon going? Yes, Darren, it does absolutely. In fact, I, Robert Grant and I have a, a video out called "The Real Da Vinci Code," in which we go into that in great detail. But yes, cutting into fourteen pieces is is the is the phases of the waxing moon and the phases of the waning moon, because he dies twice. 
so it, it happens twice. It's all it's all an allegory. It's all just you know. It's just oh, wait a minute. Let me sort this out. Really, really fourteen. I mean, the 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 idea behind it is Set's job. Set from the root word Satan. It doesn't mean Satan, devil. Ooh, you know. It, well, it does in a sense, but I mean, our whole concept of what that is 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 kind of screwed up by. Uh, what we've been taught by the various religions, right? Satan literally just means he who opposes. Uh, it's just the opposite forces. Again, it's duality. You've got light, we've got dark. You've got male, you've got female. You've got up, down, you've got, right? That's just, it's a, it's, that's the game. You can't have a creation without that oppose, opposing forces. And that's what makes it interesting. And that's why I presume at some point we, we decide to do that. I personally don't remember being God myself uh, fully, but <laughs> like all good egotists, I know I was. Well, the other thing I was going to mention about the, you know, the them hiding it. I mean, I never really clicked. It never really clicked for me before. But when you mentioned about John D, sort of like chat, you know, channeling or communicating with these angels to get these. To, to make these codes and stuff. I mean, it, then it almost feels like a supernatural mystery as well. I mean, no, it is. Yeah. Did, did, this, come from, did this come from something higher completely and just get channeled through humans? And yep. we sort of had to manifest it in whatever way we physically could. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It, 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 yeah. At its deepest level, it's that. Like all great art, it can be viewed and understood at whatever level we are at. We see it and we go, oh, I see, you know, I see people dancing and I see a, a sword fight there. Oh, that's entertaining. That's cool. I'll binge on that for a week on Netflix or whatever, right? But at the same time, if, you're, if you are at a slightly deeper level of consciousness in your particular evolution where you happen to be right now, you might see, oh, there's, there's a deep spiritual meaning behind that. And then it... Or deeper, or deeper, and as as we tend to revisit things over the years, we go, you know, I never got that before, but now I get it, right? We are growing all the time, and we're getting more and more, and we see deeper and deeper and deeper. So he left this puzzle to be enjoyed at whatever level we could enjoy that, whether just from the slapstick. Uh, I mean, there's everything in the plays, right, from just wonderful love to unrequited love to sword fights to cannibalism to i mean everything you can imagine it's all in there it's life on earth which one do you think is the most analogous to our time right now that we're living through mm. well supposedly we, we you, you know as far as the vedic philosophers are concerned we are we are in an, an ascending arc um, you must have had people. I'm talking about procession of the equinox, the yeah. 24,000 year cycle, and you know we 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 were right at the end of the dark ages, coming out when Shakespeare was here. You know, um, Jesus Christ came right at the uh, the absolute lowest point of the darkest of ages. Then you got Shakespeare and all that bunch coming out, and we're we're in Dwapara Yuga. We're ascending, which is why we've got such massive technological advancement very 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 quickly. I'm considering where we were a hundred years ago, imagine, you know. But of course, we are not comparably spiritually aware to know how to use it. And we're stupid enough to really risk uh, ending life on earth through our inability to uh, balance our technological wisdom with our with spiritual wisdom and recognition of how to get along. So where are we? Uh, 
we're in a shithole of of uh, <laughs> climbing out. <laughs> I move, we, we are. It's it doesn't look great. I grant you, but I at the same time. I'm very encouraged by the disclosure movement that's happening. You know, we are get it's coming out at last. The government are coming out from the Pentagon about about UFOs, whatever they call them now. UAPs, is it now they're calling them? Whatever. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be depends on which we're talking to, but it's supposed to be UAPs, yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously that has to be demolished. The fear surrounding that has got to be demolished because you know the, the the way the governments manipulate us into situations where we're going to get into wars for their benefit or whatever. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get too deeply into the politics, but it's 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 all interwoven. Now you can't really escape it. They they use false flag operations in order to um, get whatever is is the currency of the of the time, oil or yeah. power or, or whatever it is, and so. That happens. Werner von Braun on his deathbed, the ex-Nazi who did <laughs> who ran NASA, said the next red the next false flag operation will be that the government will start saying we've got to raise more funds for the Pentagon because to fight the aliens. He said it. Yeah. So that'll be the next one. I hate using that word, but I said it because for a deliberate reason. They're not aliens. We, you know, aliens, what's alien? You know. Alien means infers other, you know, something separate. And obviously, if there's life in the universe, and as they say in contact so beautifully, it's a lot of huge waste of space. If there isn't, then <laughs> if if that's the case, um, we are all surely children of whatever you want to call it, a divine force, a intelligence whatever you're comfortable with there is clearly we're all we're all in this together and if honestly if they're advanced enough to get here and they really want to do us harm we, we we'd have been toast centuries ago you know but there's all kind there's a lot of information coming out after rendlesham and and other major major events where it's clear that anytime there's a, a threat of of nukes going off, they tend to be there and disarm them. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I mean, I guess there's a universal law that you can't interfere with evolution. You got to let these microbes and you know amoeba do their thing. Yeah, if they think of us that way, maybe. But we will draw the line at blowing the planet up. It seems. Which I find very comforting. Really. So, do you do you, how how do you discern then um, the difference between what the government's telling us about ETs, what other people are coming out and whistleblowing about ETs, and they're talking about you know free energy? Like we have to start learning about what these crafts are flying flying in because there's a lot of these black budget crafts that are flying around. What's the energy mm -hmm. you know propulsion from the propulsion systems, and then. Mm -hmm. You know, knowing that you've you, what Von Braun said, and that they're worried about a you know sort of an ET false flag. How do you discern now what's real and what's not as far as the disclosure goes? Mm. I don't know. I'm not an expert at it. I, I I have my opinions, and I would just simply say that I think all we can do is try our best 
to counterbalance the possibility of a false flag operation happening. And a, a false flag operation can only really happen and be, and we follow it like sheep, if we don't know enough yeah. other than that, oh, they're, they're green men and they're here to, they're here to, they're here to colonize and beat us up. And <laughs> since that's clearly not the truth, we, the more we put out information, and I grant you, you can't always tell who's telling, who's right, who's wrong, who's telling the truth. I mean, that's the massive thing today, right? Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's we're really, oh, at yeah. a, we're really at a point in everything in politics and in, and in, in, in general, wow, who's telling the truth and to where it's really, it looks crazy. It looks crazy yeah. when you look out at the world. However, all you can do is speak your truth if you know, if you know, or, if, you know, let's say even if you feel strongly about truth and it, 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 you just want to be able to put it out there, I think the more people that talk about uh, the, their own experiences, it's going, to, it's going to change the balance of that because up until a certain years ago, it's, it's just been forbidden, right? And the only, the only thing you hear is, oh, the, you know, the Martians are coming. I agree uh, with you. Yep. So the more we counterbalance that, where if it comes to it that the government actually tries to do a false flag operation and say, oh, the blue meanies are here, I think there'll be enough people to say, no, uh-uh, no, 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 can't get away with that. That's rubbish. We understand. We're pre we're, we might be still crawling around in the slime, but we're intelligent enough to understand <laughs> that that we would be gone already if that were the case. So, you know, let's let's uh, find out why they really are here. And you tell us a bit more about these secret things that you've, you've that you've that you've had access to. And it's coming out. So I think it's a very, very good thing. We can't ever be sure what is right and what is wrong. And uh, in terms of who's saying it, but overall conglomeration of information coming out is at least balancing and that is our protection i believe against uh being fooled again yeah that's i agree with you i mean that's what happened when we started the podcast is we started realizing we'd have all these guests on but all the listeners wanted to tell their stories too so we had sort of like a segment at the beginning where we talk about the listeners stories they had all the kinds of ufo wow. sightings contact experiences people were itching to get their stories out there for people to hear them because yes. Yeah. Over the last 10, 15 years, it's opened up where, you know, people can talk about it without being ridiculed. That must be so satisfying to you to have been. I didn't know how long you've been in it. 10 in, years now. Yeah. That was your initial impetus was partly that to, to, to say, let's let's encourage people to 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 uh, to to speak about their own experiences yeah. so that so that they gradually we all gradually get more comfortable with not thinking, oh, what was a neighbor? Exactly. Say? <laughs> I can't talk about that because yep, they'll exactly. that. But, but it, it might not necessarily be e ETs, but whatever it is, it, you know, uh, psychic experiences, uh, telepathic experiences. Oh, yep. I, I knew. I thought about Joan the other night. I haven't met her in twenty years, and she called me the next morning. What's that about? It, yep. You know, just as simple as that. Most people have been in fear of talking about those things, and then the more you talk about those ideas. In fact, they had me on a on a on a uh, besides my own series on on Shakespeare on Gaia, I, I was invited to sit in on a panel talking about a, an, another show that my producer was doing uh, called Channeling. And I said, I don't think you want me on. I I said I don't channel. And he sort of looked at me like, 
<laughs> I said, well, I don't call it channel, channeling. To me, I and mean, it was just a matter of semantics, really. I think of channeling as consciously invoking uh, some spirit or entity, you know. Oh, you know, come to me and teach me this. Uh, and I certainly don't do that. Everything that I've, I've done uh, on the Shakespeare stuff has been intuitive. And uh, um, if I call on anyone at all, I just call on my own, uh, my own uh, guru. But, but who, who's about the only human being I've ever trusted on this planet. And I'm going to go, but he put, he put me on this show and I started talking about that. And in fact, I thought it was so funny. I had T-shirts made up saying I don't channel um, for, for the whole team because I just don't think of it as that. And then I gradually learned through a meeting and being on this thing and meeting others who were doing that work that um, actually, in, indeed, so many of us have these experiences and it's good to talk about it because then it frees them up to talk about it. So this was, this was the impetus of, of the producer who was doing that show. He was saying, I want to have some real channels who are, who, are, who are doing this seriously and have been doing it for 20 years or so, talk about it and then have the public chime in and feel more comfortable about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I had something like that. Yeah. Hmm. And the more that happens, it's like that... It gradually is a wave that will come to the point of raising consciousness. There's a tipping point, isn't there? Always, yep. whatever it is, whether it's the four-minute mile, and when Roger Bannister did it, all of a sudden, everybody was doing the four-minute mile a month later, right? Oh, uh, oh, oh, that's been broken. I can do that. We got to the moon. Oh, we got to, yeah, now my, my mind can grasp that, right? So as you break more more barriers like that and the more and the tipping point is reached consciousness raises and that's what we're in the business of raising yeah. consciousness speaking of speaking of channeling and angels i mean john d like we want to get people to go to to go to guy and watch your series so that you can get a season two out which will be more focused on john d i think right exactly we've already got we've gone into it obviously because he's an integral part of it and 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 I had to show the proof that I had of the codes that were channeled to John D by angels. Um, did he his, call them angels? Well, he called them angels, but then what, what other word did they have for them back then? Da know? Damon? Well, Damon, yeah. I mean, he John D believed he was in touch with the archangels, Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel. But at the same time, there's no doubt with his association with Edward Kelly, who was a bit of a was a, had a reputation as a charlatan, but a very very good channeler. And D was not a good channeler. At least D was not clairvoyant or clairaudient. He needed what they called a scryer, what we'd call today a psychic. He needed someone who was who could get in tune with them more easily, who could see them, and who could pass on what they were saying. So they had a, a sort of a, a necessary um, bonding that. At times, was very tempestuous. Uh, but essentially, I would say that John D was a very, very uh, sincere, devout man who was on search for divine truth. And part of what did come through to him, I have proven, was was genuine and accurate. Otherwise, it would not have given the solutions it did. I mean, one of the main codes was the angels come to him on 
June 24th, that's 624 in 1584, and they channeled to him through Edward Kelly something called the Enochian Tables. And the Enochian Tables is this uh, wonderful tablet of four quadrants of 156 squares in each, and it's 624 characters. So 624 characters is delivered on 624. Huh, okay. And then he his job becomes to write the the text of Shakespeare's gravestone and his monument and the sonnet's dedication. And I had the intuition to go, well, I wonder how many characters there are in that, including all the dots and the punctuation. 624. Oh, there's 624 characters in it. Oh, you must be meant to place those 624 characters on top of the 624 of the Enochian tables. Obviously. Duh, of course. That's what you must do. Why? Because there's a puzzle going on here. Who's the main candidate for being Shakespeare? Edward de Vere. Edward de Vere. Six, two, four. The sonnet's dedication is in three inverted triangles of six lines, two lines, and four lines. And when you count the six and the second and the fourth and the six and the second and the fourth dot that has been put in there, it says these sonnets all by E. Vere, the fourth T. Oh, okay. When did he, when did Edward de Vere die? Oh, he died on six two four in uh, uh, yeah June twenty fourth sixteen oh four. When was Shakespeare born? We don't know. All we have is his, is his faked baptism certificate, which is April twenty sixth four two six. The opposite of it. So the the fake Shakespeare is, is, it comes into the world on four two six. The real Shakespeare leaves the world on six two four. It's all a code, folks. It's all a code. So when you Anyway, I overlaid the 624 characters in the sonnets, the dedication, the monument, and the grave, and put it onto the Enochian tables, and it says, hey, it's in the altar. There's something inside that altar stone, which is called the De Vere, and it's in the Holy Trinity Church. Consequently, I went to Holy Trinity Church, became very active in 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 genuinely helping them, because I, I it's not I, I don't I don't want to imply that I was just there to you know, screw them and get to the altar. I was there to get to the altar, but I got to know the people and they they, they don't think that they are doing anything wrong. They've, they've just got a livelihood. You know, come and see Shakespeare. They don't even think about the question. You know, it's it's their livelihood. Great. Every cafe in Stratford is the, the Macbeth Cafe or the Midsummer Night's Dream Hotel. I mean, it, the, the hotel, the entire place exists as a sort of a Disney world for Shakespeare. And this kind of would blow, blow a hole right through that, right? Yes, yes, it, it, it will. And that's the, that's the hard thing to overcome. And so that's why I had to do what I did very covertly. And so I finally I got to know them. They got to know me enough that they invited me to perform a concert of my musical. Because uh, until all this happened, I've been a musician all my life, right? On various record labels, etc. I think I spoke about that the last time. Monkeys, you know, right? Pardon? Weren't you a manager for the Monkeys? I was the musical director for Davy That's Jones of the Monkeys, yeah. Right. And traveled with them a, a, a bit, yeah. But that was sort of that's sort of the most visible thing that I did. But no, I was on five different record labels. I was signed by Clive Davis to Arister. I had a couple of hit small hit records, but under a different name. They were always changing changing my name. But that but but that's a side issue. The point is, I, I'm a musician, so I, I've written a musical about this whole coded Shakespeare. And I said, can I come and play this musical for you in the church? 
on Shakespeare's birthday. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, in front of the congregation. Yeah. Mm. Can I put my piano right near the gravestone, please? Yeah, sure. Why? Because they have a forensic system that sprays you with a chemical that stays on your body or your clothing for 12 months. And it says on the out, outdoor door as you go in, you know, don't risk it. 100% conviction rate in court is for, just to stop people getting past the gravestone to the area of the altar. It's a forensic system. Plus, they have 24-hour CCTV cameras. So I had to defeat both of those. I had to defeat this, the, C, the CCTV cameras. I did that by simply doing this concert. And then at the end of the show, I said, let's turn all the lights off. Let's turn <laughs> all, all the lights off in the church. And let me do this last number by candlelight. All right, so we did that, but at the same time, I pushed the piano right up against the gra uh, the gravestone, so they had to turn off their forensic system because they're not going to stain their Steinway. Right, so both of those problems were solved. Plus, I put a banner up in front of the altar advertising the musical. It's twelve foot by nine feet, and it, so that while I'm doing the last song, my team could be behind the banner in complete darkness, scanning radar scanning the altar and filming it in night vision. And all of this is shown in the Gaia series and, and on my uh, website, to be or not to be.org as well. But more, more of it is shown in the Gaia series, of course. Wait, so, is this so, the same altar that we were going to bash open back in yeah. 2017? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. Bash open. That's a nice way of putting it, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I'm a real wordsmith. That's probably why. <laughs> I could have been in Shakespeare. You could have been. Yeah, it could have been in one of his really rough plays where he was like, ah, so, screw it. Let's just bash it open. <laughs> no, I think probably there's a, um, a a better way of doing it. But, I, you know, I, it's not, you're not the first person to suggest that. <laughs> Some of the leading Shakespeare uh, academics who I've done uh, presentations in universities with have said the same thing. I want to go over there with a sledgehammer and knock the hell out of it and find out what Shakespeare left in there. But but I I said no you no you can't you not can't do it by being adversarial. I mean you'll they'll only batten down the hatches even further. So I became their friend. That's the only way you get anything done. You know and, well, and you just you smash and grab. I mean, and you just like get a. This is what you do, all right? Because okay, Dan, I mean, here's the thing: we have a bigger following now. You've got a much bigger following now. You know, we just <laughs> send in like fifty dudes dressed up as Shakespeare, all out. Oh! And oh. you know, there's a tussle, there's a rustle, there's a smashing, there's a grabbing, and you know, we get we. What are we after again? I forget what's in the uh, what's in there. Well, we don't know. I mean, this is the, there's something secret in there. There's a huge cavity underneath the stone. So you got to break into that cavity and then just wipe, swipe everything out of there. Put it in a bag and take off. Yeah, we could, I mean, I can figure well, this instead out. Of that, uh, okay. All right, you well, get a Kickstarter. Darren, maybe you're right. Maybe I should have listened to you years ago. I, I don't know. We'll put a picture of the smashed altar on the Kickstarter and it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> well. Maybe that's the next step, but let's let's just try to be a little more subtle about it um, because what's in there, we don't want to ruin what's in there, and what is in there is the holy grail of literature. Since Shakespeare left nothing, left nothing, we do not have anything 
of his. If we found even a note saying from the queen to him saying, hey, honey, don't forget to get a dozen eggs on your way home and uh, diapers for the baby. That would be that would be all we have of Shakespeare. And it, they could slap it up on a wall and charge whatever they wanted for the world to see it. And the world will flock to see it just like they do to see King Tut's tomb because there is nothing. And yet, so, and there, and, and he's telling us there's something in there. So it's tremendously valuable. And my, my whole uh, concern all along has been to a, get the proof. So I got the proof. I scanned it, and the, the, the results of the scan are shown on my website and also on, on, on Gaia in more detail because we, we show the film of us doing it. And what is that? That's a, that is then there's no way that they can get away with going in and taking whatever's there themselves. I've got the proof. I've got the fact that there's a, instead of having a hole this big, inside the altar, which every consecrated altar stone has to have. It's called a saint's relic, and it, 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 the relics of a saint are placed in there. It's called a reliquary, rather. And the, and supposedly there's got to be bone, slivers of bone, or maybe a piece of the saint's writing. What, what, whatever Rome said was a saint, right? And it's supposed to be a tiny little size like that. The hole in the in the in the altar, and you see an actual replica of it on Gaia on the show. I, I built a polystyrene version of it to scale. And and I spin it around on the show and you see there's a hole in it 250 times the size it's supposed to be. Well, as I often say, you don't cut a hole 250 times the size it's supposed to be into solid marble unless you're going to put something of equivalent size into it. It's hard work. And it's a lot of work, and that's what they did, and I've got the proof. So, therefore, that's just sitting there, and when we do have enough followers who to demand it, we won't need to go over there with sledgehammers. Oprah will be there with a mic in their face saying, do you know, like, uh, you know, 100 million people voted to open your altar. What are you going to do about it? Which, by the way, you can go to my website, to be or not to be.org and vote. One of the first buttons you'll see there is the go see Gaia, is a click on the Gaia series and, and go see it. There's a, a seven day free trial there. You can just click on it and, and see all the episodes for free if you like and then and then duck out if you want. But it's it's a good show anyway. And there's other things on Gaia that you might be interested in, particularly your audience. My God, Gaia is totally aligned with your audience. But besides that, there's a place to vote your conscience vote and the, and the options are yes open the altar i want to know what shakespeare left for us or no i'm not interested let's leave it another 400 years <laughs> well what so, was so in this, what do you what do, do we do you think it's a scroll i mean you scanned it can you give a, us a little well, tease what yeah, do you think i, I, do you scan, think I scanned it? yeah i scanned it with a, a tiny a, a tiny scanner, a very powerful scanner, but it had to be small enough that we could hide it and get it in there. You know, it wasn't a Kaiser Permanente thing where you <laughs> you put your whole body through. That's what they'll do next. That's to be the next thing. They'll put an enormous one around it to try to see. So all I can see from the proof of the scan is that there's a ton of stuff in there because you can see different densities of, of things. So whatever is in there is invaluable. It, Who's uh, they? Uh, like the the historians or... Who they, what they, like who's they, who's gonna, who's gonna, who, like you said, the, the next thing they'll do. Okay. I think I was referring to possibly the church. Yes. Since it's on the church's premises, they would have to, 
Well, you see, I went over and asked them. I asked permission to scan it after, after I'd already done it. Of course. Yeah. What did they say? Well, uh, I went all the way up to the highest uh, person I could get to, which was the bishop of the diocese, and I had an afternoon with him and told him that I believe there's something that absolutely invaluable for the church. And I mean, when you say, well, I'll finish this story first. So and he said, well, um, well, he said what I expected. He said, no. He didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say no. He said, I'll have to take it to a higher authority. But there were only two higher authorities he could take it to. One's the queen and one is God. And neither of them got back to me. <laughs> and the queen's with God now, so. And, and there she is. So now we've got a new guy. No, it's, it's um, so I'm not worried about that anymore. It, they know that I did it. They know it's there, but they still think I'm a nutcase and I'm never going to get enough power to come over and force them to open it. But I will because even the one thing that will guarantee it is that it's a Catholic altar stone and a Catholic holy of holies altar stone. And if such a thing is ever in a state of desecration, that means it has been changed at all from its original state and it's 800 years old. So it was a Catholic altar stone in 1220 AD. And, and if anything happens to it, such as the, the, stigmata wound crosses on the surface being scratched off, which they have been, then it is in a state of desecration. If it even if there's even a hint that there might be something in there other than relics of a saint, it's in a state of desecration. Uh. And yet the church holds mass there every week and people pray for their Aunt Agnes. And once they find out that they're praying at a desecrated altar stone, they're going to say, hey, is my Aunt Agnes still in purgatory? I've been praying for her for the last 35 years and giving you £10 a week. You know, it's, it's a serious, serious spiritual obligation that the church has. Well, how many Catholics are there? Once this story gets big and gets known, there are one, uh, the Pope has 1.2 million followers on Twitter, I think. I, I, I just made that up. There are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world, and he probably has half of them on Twitter. <laughs> they are going to demand that that altar stone has to be reconsecrated. You cannot be having mass at it. And that means, you know, let's say a billion people vote to open it. They cannot withstand that pressure. There will be pressure for from, from coming from me and from the voting mechanism. So please, please go to the website and vote. I haven't promoted it much until now. So, so far, uh, you know, since this is only really just getting some traction, we've got about 15,000 vote, people voting, yes, let's open it. But that's nothing, you know, it's, it's going to go viral at some point. And when it does, we will have the power to be with them with a mic in their face saying, you've got to open it. And when they open it, you, let's use this as an analogy. Leonardo da Vinci painted approximately 20 paintings. Right. And a few years ago, we found out, oh, there's another one. There's a new Da Vinci, right? The Salvatore Mundi. Right. Wonderful story. Some American found it in a garage like 80 years ago or something and paid probably 10 pounds for it. Right. And then somebody got a whiff of it and thought, I think this might be an important painting. And somebody pay paid, I believe, close to $100,000 for it. So it switched hands. 
And then it gets into the hands of the real conservators who think, holy shit, this might be a Da Vinci. It went on auction and for $450 million. <laughs> One painting. We already had 18 and 19 other paintings by Da Vinci. There's nothing unique about this except it, it, it's one. They don't even have good information that it truly was Da Vinci, but it got hyped so much that that wonderful character, Mohammed bin Salman, bought it. The guy that murdered Khashoggi. We got to get him on our mailing list. Maybe we could get him to sign up for a monthly or something. $450 million, one painting. Now, contrast that with, do we have anything on Shakespeare? No. If you found a page of Hamlet in his hand or the sonnets, which I know are in the, are in the altar, I know they are, the original sonnets, it doesn't have a price. First of all, no one, they wouldn't sell it, you know. But if you wanted to sell it, you could, it, it's, it's, it's priceless. It'd be a billion, two billion. Somebody would pay that for it. And that's just one thing. What about all the manuscripts? <laughs> Everything that he ever wrote. That's in the codes too. And, and, and uh, that's going to be the next shoe to drop. Can't say any more about that yet. But the point is, it's, it, you know, so I went to them and I said, yes, you've got something tremendously valuable. And they did not want to risk the goose that lays the golden egg in Stratford. You know, this is our, this has been our life for the last 200 years. We sell mugs to mugs and T-shirts and things, you know, just come to see where Shakespeare lived. See the bed that he slept on. It's all rubbish. I mean, it's, it's just Disney World. It's not, not even the house that they knew was even there when he was alive. But anyway. Back to focus on it. We get there, we get to Stratford, and we make them an offertory they can't refuse. In other words, it, I want to raise enough money to bribe them to open it and say they can have half of it. If they start refusing an offer of, say, $10 million to open their altar, or 15 million or 20 million or whatever number you want to even imagine them because it's all it's all monopoly money at some point because it's stupid it's it's, it's stupid what is in there is priceless because it has to be they pointed to it it has to be very important they pointed they, to it they point they they yeah devere and john d said it's there and i proved it because I followed my gut instinct and went there and scanned it and went and did put on this whole show so that I could put a banner up in front of the altar and scan it. And the results came back. Yeah, it's there. Was it only your gut instinct? I don't channel, Graham. <laughs> well, I mean, neither do I, but sometimes I like, you know, <laughs> just the right kind of high, and I got maybe a glass of wine in me, and I just start thinking crazy ideas. You know, maybe that's some sort of challenge. But it must feel the real question is it's got to feel like vindication, right? Six years later, seven years later, 19. Scanned it. Well, yes, it was wonderful to know that it was right. Yes. Um, and, and that's one aspect of it. 
Try is that enough? Try. Like, could you, if Try this is as far as it gets, will this be enough for you? Or do you need that motherfucker cracked open? No, I want the world. <laughs> I want the world. No, I want the world to know the truth about this wonderful thing that these guys did because we have no idea and we think he's just, oh, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And everybody talking as though they have hot potatoes in their mouths. It's not just that. That's the works. But how would you like to have dinner with Shakespeare? What? How would you like to know about the real guy? How would you like to know his true story and what motivated him and why he laid this massive scriptural epic at our doorstep uh, that's so important, that's pointing to ancient wisdom, that's pointing to the origins of the universe, it's pointing to the mathematical underpinnings that the ancients knew, the hermeticists knew about he knows all of this. How does he know it? You know, he knows it all. And he embeds it in the works to say one thing, because in, in the end, it's all about this. It's all about, we know him, we know the works as art. And we say, oh, it's drama, it's poetry, it's art, it's right brain. He starts hiding mathematical and scientific evidence in it that is all left brain. It's all about balancing both. Left eye, right eye of Horus, right? The sun and the moon to come here. Alchemy. It's alchemy. They called it alchemy in those days. We today call it yoga or union or getting back to unity consciousness to the third eye. It's balancing both sides of your brain because as a well-balanced individual, you, you must express and be able to balance all these opposites of duality, if you're going to get past duality and get back home, back to unity consciousness, you must. And so he's telling us, I'm telling you the mathematics and physics and science that you have no idea about yet. It won't even be, you know, he knows the speed of light, right, in the, in the sonnets and, and gives it to 98.4% 90, uh, accuracy, 300 years before Einstein knew it. So who is this? Who is this being that is doing this? Well, he's having a damn good laugh. It's a good riddle. It's a good joke. It's also very serious. It's the truth of, <laughs> it's on the level of a scripture, but he's making it into a game and he's saying, come on, find it. Hey, look, look. And he's writing plays about it. So the guys are running around with a donkey head on. I never did finish that story, but the original Horus myth set who kills Osiris, was depicted as a man with a donkey's head on. That's what Midsummer Night's Dream is about. He has Bottom be the man who gets a donkey's head on his head because he's, he's coming into back into recognition of his true nature. He is, for one night only, he gets to, to be seduced by the queen of the forest, and, and all is wonderful, right? And he thinks he's a prince. He's getting back to his true nature. He's the, he's it. He's the shiz. He's the whole thing. Oh man, this is great. I've got you know, fairies around me, draping, you know, peeling me a grape. And I mean, and he puts that into the play, into a children's play about that's just, oh, it's fun. It's fairies in the forest. And it's not, it, it's in, on the other deepest level. It's our conundrum that we are stuck here in the forest of life on earth and we can't get out until we get to balance both sides of our brain see the truth 
and get out of here or share it as much as we can in many, 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 in many, many ways. So um, it's it's something, man, and it's so exciting. It's just so exciting to just literally watch, to see. I'm I've I've had a, a, a obviously a great amount of fun putting uh, the Gaia show together. But it's such a tiny sliver of it. 19 years work of, of, of penetrating to the heart of all this and to see what he's doing. He's connecting plays together. There's a line in Hamlet that connects to another play in Twelfth Night, that connects to another play in Midsummer Night's Dream, that connects to something in one of the sonnets. And they're all clues that lead you to each other. And they're all marked by wrong page numbers so that when you see a wrong page number in the folio, uh, the first folio it was published in 1623 of all Shakespeare's plays. Right, and the last one that went on auction at Sotheby's, uh, Christie's, sorry, fetched uh, ten million dollars. Uh, one book. It's not rare. I mean, there's two hundred and thirty-four of them in the world, but one one went on auction. One book, ten million dollars, and they say it would be worth a lot more if it wasn't such a botched job because it's got all these wrong page numbers and bad spellings. Every single wrong page number I have traced to being part of a code. Once they know it's part of a code, that book will be worth 10 times $10 million because there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's it's a brilliant, deceitful, wonderful, covert thing that he's doing. And he's honestly, he's laughing his pants off. He's, he's, he's just going, oh, this is funny, funny, funny. A lot of it is funny. A lot of the codes are just riddled with humor that is just amazing, ma- amazing stuff. Can we... But, can we um... Can we just touch on John D again for the for the season two? And is there is there um, you know I've heard some sort of murmurings and we've talked about John D a little bit in, in a more negative light as well, like uh, sort of yeah. responsible for the expansion of the British Navy or maybe the launch of the British Empire. Like, was sure. he getting some bad influence as well from his communication with these angels? I mean, is there a chance that he was also getting communicating with uh, negative entities? Oh, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, thank you for bringing me back to that because I it, it's 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 such a rambling story that I can ramble with it a lot and and it's good to get focused back to that. I I definitely we will be going into that in in season two, um, so long as we convince Gaia to do a season two, which means please folks go on you know go and go and check it out and give it a thumbs up. That's what they like to see. We will. I know we will, because I'm going to be massively promoting this throughout the whole summer with all kinds of media. But you're all playing a part in it because I, I can't do it alone. And we, it, it, it requires numbers. But the point is, by going there and, and just having a look at it and maybe saying something nice about it, you're going to help us get to season two. And season two, I'm going to really spill the beans on what was going on with John D. We've only touched on it slightly, but yes, you're absolutely right, Graham. He had this, uh, he himself was a genuine, pious man, individual, I believe, but he was hooked up with Edward Kelly, who was definitely uh, a fraud in his, in before he came to John D., uh, and a con man in various ways. And so he was attracting because of his dabbling in, shall we just say, the darker side of it? Um, or at least he was attracting spirits or disembodied souls who were perhaps, you know, impersonating, saying, oh, we're, you know, we're, oh, yeah, we're angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and maybe it wasn't true. And we know there's tremendous heartache over that. Dee did not know what to do about it and what was right and what was wrong and what was true and what was not, just as almost we're in the same situation today. But what was really happening was that some of them were absolutely genuinely who they say they were, because if they weren't, then the codes that I deciphered would have led me nowhere, right? Because they were given to him by angels. And so if they're real angels and they're really trying hard, but again, they're trying to give him something, then it's going to be genuine. And I've already proven that years ago. So the thing is, what were these entities collectively? I don't think we can ever pinpoint it exactly and say for sure, oh, well, that was... You know, even the words, you know, that's a bad guy. This is a good guy. Is, I mean, what does it all mean? It's all a drama. Anyway, if we're all the one, and Shakespeare says it over and over and over, it's all one. This is the funniest argument with, with, uh, with you know, any sort of um, uh, real, you know, diehard, oh, I'm, my God's better than your God, people of any religion, right? extremists and say, you know, my God's right, your God's not. So I therefore reserve the right to kill you, <laughs> brother. You know, it's all screwed up, right? If, if there's just this one consciousness playing a drama, we're all the same. We're all in it together. And I believe that these higher beings are indeed helping us understand understand that so to get to the root of what john d was doing i we do have a season planned to to really go deep into what was what was happening there what was john d doing in europe as 007 as a spy for the queen and getting himself in trouble with the church trying to say i'm we're communicating with these are genuine beings that are coming to help us he truly believed that he could end religious strife he was working on behalf of healing the Protestant and uh, and Catholic schism, the Reformation, on healing the 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 Ju Judaism and uh, the uh, um, the Turks, the Ottomans. Any anywhere there was religious strife, as there was back then, just as there is today. He truly believed that he could. He was using angels as an intermediary, and that in that that they would give him some truth to share that would help us all understand who we truly are. So that was his that was his entire intention, and of course, it did not come to fruition. And just as it seems fated to not come to fruition in almost any lifetime until we reach the higher ages, but that's what he was trying to do. And so at this. Sit at this stage, I think it's really important to bring out that story of the of the drama that they were playing between Edward Kelly and John Dee. I will say one thing, and I'll touch on it only slightly, is that Kelly was using a source of DMT to aid him in communicating with the angelic beings or other beings. It's called Acacia. And later pictures of Shakespeare have him holding a, a sprig of Acacia. And this Acacia is known to be the highest concentration of DMT in, in, in plant life, 
you know, uh, one of the highest concentrations. It's used as a symbol in Freemasonry, and I think there's a lot to get into in that. There's a wonderful book out called um, Vermilion. Oh, what is it called? The full title. It's got has the word vermilion in it, but it's about the Freemasons and their usage of uh, psychedelic drugs in their initiatory processes. And it's very, very clear that Edward Kelly was doing that. And it's also very clear that Dee probably uh, got into it himself because he needed Kelly so much and he just wanted to be able to talk to these beings so much that even though he felt he was uh, on the right track to, oh, I must be... And again, I'm not using this word in the, in the wrong sense, saying, oh, I must, spiritual means not doing that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But in his way of thinking about it, I know that he was very much against it. And then he ultimately ended up, I'm sure, because the diaries are, they have, there are references to, oh, I forgot my drugs today. I can't communicate with the angels as well as wow. I did. So all of that is going to come out in season two. And what I would like to say about that is is to emphasize emphasize again on the on the good aspects of it. Now I'm an ex rocker. Yes, I in my time I you know I I I did a lot of LSD and uh, uh, mushrooms etc. When I was a kid, and if I had my preference, I'd say, well, I think the plant medicines are true and organic, and they're going to give you truth and possibly you know you don't know what you're taking if you're doing uh, lsd that you know where you're getting it from and i certainly had a bad trip that that turned me off ever 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 doing that again and then i found my my guru anyway and started meditating and so i've been doing kriya yoga for 42 years but and that takes you to bliss whenever you want it i mean i can you know I i can be there so um Bringing out the truth about what happened there with John Dee is is extremely important. And it's a wide subject. You mentioned the empire, the British Empire. Yes. I mean, who's to say that was a good idea? Jesus. (laughs) What's been done in the name of the Brits? God. (laughs) That's kind of what's getting at, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I... you know, it's all a drama, folks. It's a big drama. Well, do you think that do you think that the psychedelics or the kriya yoga played a part in you being able to decipher some of the stuff? I mean, I, I feel like you've had some spiritual guidance or some intuition. I mean, how you cracked some of the stuff. It wasn't just sheer intellect, you know. Right. Um, I have never spoken about this publicly, and I am going to today now um because i as you know i had an intuition and i wrote you last night and said i I need to talk about this uh because on the face of it you could say well i've got i've got enough on my plate trying to prove to the world that shakespeare was not shakespeare and that there's something in the altar and all that and i don't need the added resistance of saying that I've had a certain experiences that might be looked on as being outer fringe. But the point is, as we started on this show, where are we now? About an hour and a half ago. People have these experiences all the time and don't want to talk about them. Right. And so the more I, 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 I I'm at that point now, I have spoken about it with friends, but only this over the past year. Um, I told my daughter, then I told, 
uh, a couple of very very close friends and then i realized you know what do you why why you why are you still in that old paradigm of thinking, oh, I shouldn't talk about this? To answer your question about my intuition about it, did uh, did meditation help? Uh, did what did help, you know, in being, and, and uh, why me, <laughs> right? That's a good question, right? Why me? Because I didn't, I wasn't the least bit interested in Shakespeare 19 years ago, not the least, absolutely resistant like most people. Oh yeah, I know he's great, but please, I'm not interested, you know. And then all of a sudden it grabbed me by the short hairs and I was like, oh my God, this is what I came here to do. And I knew it. And I and I often joke, I haven't had a day off since. And and that's almost the truth. Did a calculation once. I've probably done 60,000 hours on this. So, you know, to all you trolls out there who, who rib me on, on YouTube and say, Oh, you stupid idiot. What does it feel like to have wasted all these years of your life? The earth's flat. Boom. I say, well, <laughs> I haven't wasted a, a second of it. If I, if I were that stupid to have continued on with this for 19 years, not knowing that I was completely deluded, then I, I, deserve, I, I sure I should be put away somewhere. But no, I'm very, very lucid and I know very well what's happening. So to me, it felt like, okay, I knew, I knew from the earliest part or once I was into it, that I that I had a part in it, and I don't. I'm not talking about that. I won't talk about that because it's irrelevant. But and I'm not. I, I would just say I wasn't. I'm not saying I was Shakespeare. I wasn't Shakespeare. But the point is, you know, you you do have certain intuitions if you if you're doing Kriya Yoga for forty odd years, um, that you can get to access information, and and so, um, so a lot of it was sort of planted back then for me and others to find in a new incarnation, right? So that's part of it. So to me, it always felt like just remembering. And I would, or I would have very intense dreams and I'd wake up uh, after resisting the dream for a long time. Go, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. No, get up and look for it. No, I'm fine. And I'd go back to sleep and have the same dream again. And uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm tired. I want to get up. And I get up and I go to where I'm being shown in the dream. And there it is. And I go, great, fine, got it. There's a code. I'll put it into a grid and solve it tomorrow morning and leave it. It happened all the time. And so, and unfailingly, and I was never misled with it. I was never, it was never anything that was wrong. And I know that sounds arrogant, but I don't mean it that way. Because I mean, as far as intuition is concerned, I can't find a parking space to save my life. It's not like I've, I'm, I'm going around. Going, no, anywhere else, it's it's complete failure. But in this, it was always there, and I, I understood that it was my job. And okay, got it. So, but the fact that John D is engaged with these beings that he only had a word for them as angels back then—that's what they called them. But what were they? And were some of them just what other different levels of beings, what we might call extra-dimensional beings? We we don't know, right? We don't really know what we're saying with those words. You know, what are they? So in this very room right here, where I am now, which is now totally my studio, about two feet away from where I am, was my bed 19 years ago. And I was lying in bed one night, completely blissfully unaware of what what was 
awaiting me, no idea that the Shakespeare work was coming, and three extraterrestrial beings came into the room. Um, just floated in through the walls, and I had a momentary seizure of, oh my, oh my God, what, you know, uh, the tiniest, tiniest fear of, what is this? And I felt an electricity in the air, and I became frozen, and I couldn't move. And I'm lying on my bed, absolutely rock solid, and I cannot move. My immediate reaction was to call on, <clears throat> on uh, my guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, and he was there immediately in the room. I could feel him, and I knew then I was fine, and he just filled me with bliss. You're okay. You're fine. I will add, I will say, I, I was not aware of seeing their form. I just was aware of them coming in and being right either side of me, two, one on each side, and another at the foot of the bed, and then and 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 Yogananda being there. But I couldn't see them because I was locked like this with my head facing straight up and I was paralyzed. But I then the moment I I felt the presence of 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 divinity there in, in who I feel is is a fully enlightened being, Yogananda. Um it was very pleasant and I was I was in I was in bliss and all I knew was I could hear them communicating. And it sounded like certain electrical uh, sort of it was like <laughs> it's kind of funny. And they're they're talking to each other. I don't understand it, of course, but I, I knew that they're communicating. What the third one was doing off there, I don't know. Just sort of a presence. But the two on either side of my head started to um, operate inside my head. Um, and it felt like a drill going in, but not painful. It just felt, I mean, I, it was just like... <laughs> And something's going on inside my in, in inside my brain, um, but I was fine. I mean, I was absolutely fine. It was not painful, and it was not frightening, and it was quite pleasant. And it lasted a couple of minutes. They had a couple more in, back and forth interactions, and then withdrew whatever was there inside. But of course, it's not a physical thing because I don't have a hole in my head. <laughs> when I was able to move again, I mean, there's nothing, you know, but something went in and I was well aware of it, right? And then they just melted out of the room and I regained my ability to move. And I thought, wow, you know, of course you think, what, what on earth was that? But because I knew that my, 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 my guru was there and I was safe, I, I did not particularly dwell on it. I thought, well, I'll know what that's about at some point, and that's all. So it happened again two weeks, about two weeks later. But this time, as, as I felt the air crackling and, and that electrical sense of, oh, here again, and, I, and I, again, I was frozen and immobilized. Of course, now I knew what it was. I go, oh, this again. And they went through the same procedure again. I guess they, uh, they, something. they missed something. They had to put version 2.3 in. I don't know what it was. 
But it was exactly the same thing. Chit chat back and forth. Oops, no, let's move that. I, I, I'm joking, right? I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. I have no idea. Now, here's the the here's the interesting thing. Well, I suppose that's all interesting. But here's the interesting thing to me. It happened three times. So again, like a week or so later, it happened again. Oh, here we are again. Another upgrade. Right. Okay. And I just surrender. And by then, I'm just surrendering to it anyway. And going, oh, this is cool. You know, I wonder what they've got for me today. Um, and pretty much the same experience each time. Just a lot of bump gone. And now here, I did not make the connection at all for. I think it was just erased from my mind that, that, that I needed to know the connection. But a couple of weeks later, I was introduced to the Shakespeare issue. And my life became so obsessed with it that I did nothing but that and didn't think about it ever again until I was in uh, Peru with Nassim Haramein about uh, four years ago. And all of a sudden, it came back with such clarity of just, oh, my God, that was what that was. They were prepping me for the Shakespeare work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all, I, that's all I know to this day, but it's very clear. I mean, that, that's ob ob obviously that's it. I needed whatever. Who knows, right? Yeah. It was benevolent and it was beautiful and it was a, a loving experience. And why you would need some sort of psycho spiritual surgical operation? Why wasn't I just born able to do it? I think it was to keep me shut out from it until the time was right for me to, because I had a lot to do until I was 55 at that point, right? I was 55 years old and I was actually ready to leave. I mean, leave the planet. I, I was done. I, I was praying. I was praying daily to God. You know, if you've got something for me to do, I, look, I've been on five record labels. I've had a blast. I've I've got my daughter off and running. She's at NYU doing her thing. And I, I have no family ties. You know, I've been married three times, divorced three times. I've been a good person. I've been an asshole. I've been all everything in between. And <laughs> I can, please. <laughs> I I need a rest. <laughs> I was saying, take me. I, I was literally praying that. Uh, but I said, I have the feeling that you've got something for me, and I don't know what it is, so damn well, show me. And that's how I was praying. I said, you've got to show me, else I'm fed up with this. Just take me out. I'll just make it painless. And then he's going, oh, we'll send in the angels, the same ones that were with John D. by the way. I don't know that. I just know that that from that point on, I was able to download all this stuff seemingly effortlessly, and not effortlessly. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, but it's a joy. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's more than repaid for the time. You know, I, I, like I say, whatever sixty thousand hours. You know, I come on. I could have got ten PhDs in that time. You know, I, I have people accusing me online of saying he's just doing this to sell a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, made, I made one book and and i i i've i've sold about 10 
the other several hundred I've just given them away. Yeah. <laughs> to just spread yeah. the word. <laughs> you know, you're not in it for the money. I'm I'm in it for the joy. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's, it's a blast. It is and it, it is it is wonderful. And to now get the chance to share it. Uh, openly with the world is wonderful but I feel very very good now at last to be able to say what I just said about it because um, I used to think well I don't want to add that to it because um, it's hard enough you know why why attract um, other other resistance I don't care yeah good for you no thanks for sharing it it yeah. happened it's true yeah I on my daughter's life it's true it's not you know, and it, but it's also you realize it's a critical part of of it. It's a critical part of how John D was able to bring all of this to to the world because it's a it's a superhuman thing that he did. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you know, he couldn't have done it without the angels. Yeah, it, it's just mind-boggling how complex and deep it is. And so it's not me. It's not me having the this some somehow superior intellect to be able to do it. It's 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 help from the universe uh, because the world is ready to know it, and so I I just realized, oh yeah, you've got to say that and just own it because it's yeah, that's it. Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you do you have any dates uh, from any of this stuff? Like you you wouldn't have seen that your buddy in his first stand-up that got you interested in Shakespeare on like six twenty four or anything like that. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, good thinking. Yeah. Um, um, no, it, it was close. It was July 8th um, that I got introduced to it. And I remember that. Well, then I wonder, well, that, that almost makes like that third encounter June 24th. Very close. It kind of <laughs> does, doesn't it? <laughs> Imagine if you go back and look at your journal or something and it's like, oh, yeah, June 24th. Yeah, I, I didn't take a journal and I, I, I honestly don't know the dates, but I know it's, it's yeah, you're right. It's, it was approximately then. And, and why wouldn't it be obvious? Exactly. I'll tell you one. So the very first time, the very first presentation I ever gave uh, on on this, once I thought I'd got enough of it. And, and, and this was before I got any of the math stuff, the math, the math stuff started coming in 2012. Literally at, at the end of the Mayan calendar, like December, December 20th, something like that. In 2012, I suddenly had started getting all mathematical codes. But, but before that, I gave a presentation in 2010 at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon. The first time I ever spoke publicly about my findings, and I called it uh, the name of the, well, the the first book that I have out is called the Holy Trinity Solution, uh, and I called the whole work the Holy Trinity Solution because it's in the Holy Trinity Church. It's very much about the Trinity uh, and the Devere and all of that, and so I called it that. And I gave the talk. Um, on a, on a certain day, and when we finished it, uh, it was all it was all Shakespeare. Uh, it was it was a, a, what's called an Oxfordian conference. People who believe that Edward de Vere, seventeenth Earl of Oxford, is the real Shakespeare. So it was a friendly audience to to the information, but they didn't know what to do with it. All these codes, and they they were sort of running around with their like chickens with their heads cut off, and a few of them embraced it and said, "Yep, wow, he's cracked it. This is it. It's amazing." And most of them just said. 
uh, I don't know, I don't want to go there, you know. But we're stand, standing outside with my daughter and a couple of other friends, and we're all saying, oh, that went well, that was good. And we're standing outside my rental car, and suddenly my daughter says, come on, let's get in the car and go have some Indian food. Jump in the car, turn the car on, and the time on the clock is 6.24. And my daughter goes, ah! Two four, right? Which, you know, okay, it's cute. It happens. When I go home, about two or three or four months later, I'm reading in John D's diaries about an experience that he had on a certain date. And it was this this date, it was April 10th, that I'd just given this presentation on. And it was in 15. 84 and he's he's getting and he and it was one of the biggest downloads that he was ever given and edward kelly said he was overwhelmed he says oh, there's too many too many numbers too many characters i can't see they are infinite infinite i can't keep track of it and d called it the vision of the holy trinity he called it the holy trinity vision and in that download he was told to place seven bundles in what they, the angels described as a super altar, which, of course, is the, the huge altar in Holy Trinity Church. So he was given this vision on that day, and he called it the Holy Trinity vision, in which he was instructed to put all this stuff inside the altar, which I then later scanned a couple of years later. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, wait a minute, and I make the calculation, and I go, I gave that talk at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon, 426 years to the day <laughs> after he had that vision. 426. And I give the presentation, and I come out, and we get in the car, and it's 624. Unbelievable. And then you realize the angels are just pissing themselves laughing because, yep. they, because they can choreograph these things right and it's all a laugh it's fun and they're going oh alan will get a kick out of this when he sees it and i could i when i got that i went holy shit how do you do that it was a four-day conference i could have spoken on friday or sunday instead of the saturday but no no you're going to speak on that day because that's 426 years to the day Unbelievable. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. It's, I mean, we feel yeah, grateful. great. Yeah. We're super thrilled that you could do that here. I mean, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> you still want to go and just bash hell out of the altar though? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not <laughs> easily, uh, not easily discouraged. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Alan, this yeah. has been fantastic as usual. Uh, you've thrilled us again. Is there anything you feel like we didn't get to before we wrap up that you think we need to talk about that we didn't? No, no, this was great fun. And I, I, I thank you very much for the invitation. It's all it's it's all wonderful to share, but this is a very special one for me because I literally did not expect that I was going to come out of the ET closet today. But uh, that's what happened, and and I I feel absolutely perfectly uh, right about it because 
just to reemphasize, it's not unless we all do, you know, acknowledge that this these things are real. And the more we do, I do believe we counteract the the possibility of more shenanigans being done by those with obvious different intent, you know. And we shouldn't be we should not be frightened of our brothers and sisters in other parts of of this vast incomprehensible universe they're obviously here to help i don't know the whole species maybe a few of them are a bit mischievous i don't know i don't really get into it myself but there are you know it's it's just so obviously clear that we're just we're in kindergarten really you know compared to what's possible and that's fine I think there's an important lesson in there too about your guru and and the bliss that you felt or the love you know that the divi- the, the straight up divinity from your enlightened guru who was there to protect you. I mean, I think that's an important thing too that you know we don't have to be fearful of these experiences. Yes, and I'm blessed because that to have that, of course. But then everybody does. I mean, we all do. I mean, we're we're all divine. I did. There's no. Just we're all divine. We are all divine. What else are we? Where, where, where else can we go? If there is really only this one consciousness making it, and we've all got some access to it, and you know, we're either in kindergarten or we're in we're at university or we're past that. You know, we're in different levels. You know, but yeah. it's nothing to be proud of. You don't look at a kid and say, "Oh, you stupid idiot! Can't you can't you walk yet?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and not everybody has a guru, but I mean, they could lean on Jesus or their mother or their father or whatever. I mean, whatever they whatever they are comfortable with as representing divine love and wisdom and intelligence. Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not uh, an exclusive club. It's also good timing for what's happening in the world right now. I mean, we really need to, you know, like you said, it's 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 almost kind of a race to disclosure. So I think it's good timing for that as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity to to um, to get that off my chest. Yeah, it, it's a, I mean it's an exciting thing, you know. Uh, um, but again, it's not it's not a random act that's like, ooh, this is wild. It's not at all. It's it, 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 I understood eventually there's an absolute critical component of of being able to receive the blessing of being able to bring this information to to the fore because um, it's information for everybody and we all uh, can benefit from it yeah the ultimate story i'll just say this the ultimate thing this is yeah thanks for asking darren if there's the last thing it, it is what i love to say about why he why he incarnated with the name devere why there are others they're all part of it you know they're all part of it. Bacon and Marlow and the Queen and D and so a lot of people were in on this. A lot. There really were. And they treated it with, with such sacred care that they knew it was that important to bring it out. Um, but the ultimate the ultimate story that he's telling, beyond all the drama, all the the fact that he and the Virgin Queen had a child who should have been the king that's how the first uh series ends of gaia by the way is episode seven it's it's t- it's telling you that his ultimate question that he's asking in the drama story of it not just not the spiritual nature of the story but the the human drama is 
what was his relationship with the queen? Was he to be or not to be the king? Because there are rumors that he and the queen were married in a secret betrothal ceremony. They had three visits with the Archbishop of Canterbury in private. And that's the only person allowed to marry the monarch. And the only reason for them to get and have a private visit with him was if they were having a child. And they wanted to legitimize that child. So there's that question is a cliffhanger at the end of episode seven is was and he gives a code he leaves a code to specifically say it i mean it's just so beautiful saying i'm asking you know am i to be the king obviously history records no he was not the queen refused to name uh, anyone either an heir or a husband um so it's but what does that really truly mean to all of us it's it's not just it's not just a royal king it's not an earthly king it's talking about kingly consciousness of the Osiris myth. It's, the, it's, it's, it's cosmic consciousness. And what he's really saying is we all have a choice. We can wear this mask of Shakespeare and bumble around in our collective Midsummer Night's Dream until we figure it out and we know that we how to get home by balancing all our opposite tendencies on Male and female, light and dark, our good qualities, our bad qualities, all that rubbish, you know. Just get it sorted out that you want to get home. You, there's, a, there's a way to get back home. It's about pure balance back to unity consciousness. So he's saying, and I do this with the mask at the end, and I, I go, I think I've got it here, actually. I don't bother putting it on, but I put on this mask, and I say, He's, he, what he's ultimately saying is we all have a choice to be or not to be who we truly are, the I am that I am. And we can continue playing this drama and wearing a mask and saying I'm the villain or I'm the hero or I'm rich or I'm poor and I'm you know, everything that we go through in thousands of incarnations. Well, we can choose to be who we really are, divine. It's a hard choice to make. We make it step by step by step. But that's what he's saying, essentially. That's what the game is all about, to be or not to be who you really are and make a decision. And both are fine. That's the other thing about he's saying. It's, it's all fine because look how fun drama is. You know, Look at all these plays I wrote. It's pretty wild. You can have a blast. But you do have to keep reincarnating and going through the shit over and over and over again until you decide you want out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. I love that ending. And so, and we got to recommend people to watch that. I mean, honestly, it is a it's a very great summary of your of your research. And I mean, it's very visual too. It's got all the all the you know the codes and the deciphering, and you're narrating the whole thing. So, thank you. Oh, people Thanks. how to go there again? Yeah. Thank you both. Thank you, Darren. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan. Always a pleasure. Keep that sledgehammer nearby. I might come visit you and decide we'll go do it that way. I got whatever you need, buddy. I got whatever you need. All that (laughs) and better. (laughs) All right, Alan. This has been great. Uh, The website is to be or not to be. And uh, we encourage everyone to go check that out and do everything they're supposed to do. Go down and click on uh, watch the Gaia series there on that website. 
yes, please do that and uh, and leave a message saying, you know, whatever you want to say, obviously, but it, it, every little helps. Every little chip away at truth is going to get the final truth out. And I, I appreciate all your support. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. See ya. Thanks, Alan. Was it Jesus Christ? Is that you again? We just talked about this last episode. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Big thanks to Alan for coming on the show. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I really appreciate him it just, yeah, giving us the opportunity to come out of the closet with us. What good timing. There's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> I love, honestly, you got to watch the series. It's it's fantastic. He does such a great job. He's like made for that presentation of uh, of his work, you know? I don't know if you know this, but that one's taken. You know? The yeah. Yeah, that's okay. But they're pretty possessive over there too. You gotta be careful. Big thanks to Alan for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks for one of our supporters. We can't do this without you. We're 100% listener supported value for value podcast. If you're getting some value from our 607, 608, maybe 609 podcasts, all free, all there, all in the back catalog. Go get them. Ephraim Palermo, number one. Just had our 10 year anniversary. Head to America.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation. Tax season. Maybe you just got your tax return. Send us some dough. Uh, maybe we missed that, actually. That might have been a couple months ago. Anyway, AmericaOutlaw.ca is the other podcast. Gets a little racy, a little dicey sometimes. Gets a little controversial for sure. It's canceled everywhere that it can be. Um, AmericaOutlaw.ca for that. Audiobooks, AdultBrain.ca. Almost 193, I think. Uh, and spam crap. I mean, this guy doesn't get enough emails. He's always complaining about how nobody emails him anymore. GrandMicroAmerica.com. That's it. I'll leave it at that. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Somehow I built a rocket ship. Out of the stuff dreams are made and popsicle sticks Please look at my rocket ship schematics Tell me it can fly to the moon, tell me I'm not a lunatic
Thank you.